0: Hello, wherever you're listening from, and welcome to The Real Life Podcast. We are a family of churches that exist to reach the world for Jesus, one person at a time. And I believe that you're not here by accident, that there's something that God wants to speak to you in this moment. I hope that you're encouraged, challenged, and convicted by what you hear today. We love you. Hey, Real Life, it's good to be with you today. Man, we are navigating some crazy uh, times right now. I think of all that's happening, that the global pandemic, COVID, with uh, the racism, the injustice that's happening, the social and political dynamics that are happening all over, man, it's challenging right now. I'm overwhelmed trying to navigate relationships during this season. I I, I think, uh, like, I, I don't know what to say, I don't know what not to say. I don't know what to post, what not to post. It is so overwhelming. And uh, I keep getting asked, well, what side are you on? What side are you on, on this issue here, that issue there? And it's really hard to be in relationship right now with people because I feel like I'm, I'm being torn into different directions to be chosen, you know, choose a camp to, to, to set up in. You know, people are drawing lines in the sand saying, hey, come over here, we're right. And then we're casting judgment on those who are quote unquote wrong. And I get, I get this with my friends and some of my extended family where we've got to the point where like their boundaries set up, we won't talk about that. We just, we won't talk about politics. We won't talk about this, that, and the other thing. And And, and this is horrible. This is not what real relationships should be. And so I I think about this and I go, why is this so hard? It's because we all come with different perspectives, different experiences in our past that help shape our thoughts and our convictions. And so we we pull together with other people the same convictions and, and we form these camps. And what's worse to me is that this isn't just happening out there in the big bad world. Real life, it's happening right here at our doorsteps in our homes, in our churches, in our hearts, we would rather be right than in relationship with people right now. And I go, what is missing? What's missing in this whole thing? And I'd love to say the answer is God. God's missing. But then even that's divisive because in each camp, we're pulling God into that camp going, well, God is clearly on my side and he's not on your side. I think, well, God is clearly a Republican because he cares about law and order and justice. Well, no, God would clearly be a a Democrat because he cares about the social injustice that's happening. He cares about the least of these. And, And so even that is polarizing. And so I go, what is missing? Grace is missing. The grace of God is missing. So many relationships are being damaged because there's no grace. What if we were so convinced that God is on our side and whatever issue your side is, we're so convinced. And then Jesus starts doing something that's outside of your camp, outside of your, your thoughts, your setup system of beliefs. Would you acknowledge that Jesus is moving over there? Or would you be so focused on, well, no, he can't actually go outside because he's with us. He wouldn't go over there. Man, we need Grace. I wonder what happens when we lose that sense for the need of grace in our life, the grace of God in our life. Like we get to this point where we have truth, so we don't need grace. Well, I'm right in this, so I don't need grace in this situation. God is on our side, so clearly I don't need grace. They need to extend grace and join our side. Makes me think of an encounter Joshua had right before he was going to conquer Jericho. He meets this uh, being, uh, the commander of the Lord's army, and he sees him and Joshua's concerned. He goes, hey, are you on our side or on their side? And I love the response, neither. I'm not on either side. And I think of, of Jesus in this moment, and we're having all of these, these camps, right? And we're asking the wrong questions. What side are you on? What side is, uh, are they on? What side is the church on? What side are you on? And, and you believe personally, but you're only publicly sharing that side. What are all of these things? I go, these are the wrong questions. The question is, what's the kingdom of God say about this? What does God say about this? What is God's heart for this? What have we grounded our life in? Is it in our interle- intellects, our own morality? I'm good. I'm better than that person. So I'm clearly in a better place than them. Is it our perspective? The question I have for us today is, are we grounded in the grace of God? Jesus spent so much time trying to help us navigate. It's not this side or that side. It's the kingdom of God. And it's different than either of those sides. He shared about the kingdom of God. And he said, in the kingdom of God, you love your enemies. Right now, there's not a lot of love going around in these sides. He says, you don't judge people. Boy, we're we're judging people like crazy real life, inside the church and outside the church. Blessed are the poor, Jesus says, in his kingdom. Jesus says, sin starts in the heart, not just the outward actions. Because I could say, I've never committed adultery, but have you looked at someone with lust in your eyes? Well, dang. Jesus would say, that's the kingdom of God. It's different than ours. Jesus didn't come to pick a side. He came to bring the kingdom and I love this picture. We're gonna see this interaction. We see with Jesus and these two other people, we see a Pharisee and we see this woman who's labeled a sinner. Now, Simon is the name of the Pharisee and he, he gets a bad rap, right? Pharisees are bad people. We're not like Pharisees. We would never be like Pharisees. Pharisees are, are harsh and they, they don't love God. I go, actually, back then, Pharisees were held in high regard. Why? Because they excelled in the things that we admire spiritually today. They were passionate about God. They were committed to their faith. They studied the scriptures with such great urgency and detail. They were committed to their faith. They obeyed God's law and they obeyed the other laws, even the obscure ones. They even made up other laws just in case they missed other things. They were committed to this spiritual discipline, this act of faith. And then we see this, this woman who's labeled a sinner and, We see this interaction when Jesus is in the middle of them. And so I'd love for you to turn with me to Luke 7. We're gonna pick up in verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And this is a pretty common thing. Whenever a rabbi, a teacher would come by, someone with uh, fame would come through a city. After synagogue, someone would invite them into their home. What was great is that they'd share a meal. They'd bring some of their closest friends, but they did it in a place where the doors could be left open so the people of the town could, could come in and lean in and see the interaction of this teacher and, and speak. And so that's what's happening. And uh, behold, in verse 37, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, when well, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, she began weeping she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now this is awkward, right? Can you imagine being at a dinner party and having a, 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 an honored guest here? And then someone walks in who you view as a, a sinner that's less than you comes in and starts weeping at their feet washing their feet with their their hair. This is a weird thing. And and culturally, it wasn't acceptable for a woman to touch a man like that. It wasn't acceptable for a woman to let her hair down in front of a man that wasn't her husband. So this was all kinds of weird. And I, I just imagine it being like super awkward. Like really, it, like, is Jesus gonna say anything about, like, is he gonna say, hey, stop, stop touching my feet. This is weird. It, and then all of a sudden, Simon breaks the silence. And he says to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Jesus says to him, hey, Simon, I have something to, to say to you. Simon says, hey, say it, teacher. So all of this awkwardness is broken by Simon saying something that's revealing his heart. And Jesus shares a story. He says, a certain money lender had two debtors, one owned 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled both of their debt. Now, which one of them loved him more? Well, Simon said, the one, I suppose, whom he canceled the larger debt. Jesus said, you have judged rightly. And then Jesus turns to the woman and he says to Simon, he says, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, they are forgiven for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who are at the table, Kind of watching all of this happen, says to themselves, well, who, is, "Who is this? Who is this man who even forgives sins?" And then Jesus says to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Are we grounded in the grace of God?" Jesus shares this story in the middle of this awkward interaction. He shares a story about two people who are in debt. And then he asks Simon. Which one of them would love him more if they were both forgiven? One with a little debt, one with a lot of debt. And Simon, you know, clearly answered, right? The one who was forgiven much. And Jesus is clearly painting a picture of Simon and this woman. And then he looks at the response of Simon and the woman and starts to compare and contrast. Jesus goes, Simon, when I came here, you didn't even give me water for my feet, which was a basic, like, custom way of honoring a guest was to provide water so they could wash their feet because they're wearing sandals on the dusty Roman road. Simon, you didn't even do that. Have the common courtesy to do that. But this woman has washed my feet with her tears and her hair. Simon, you didn't even welcome me with a kiss, a sign of respect and and appreciation and honor. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. Simon, you didn't give me oil for my head, which was a custom, for someone who has been traveling to put oil on their head. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. What was the difference here? Both of them were in debt to God. Jesus was making that very clear with this illustration. Our sin puts us in debt to God. None of us are perfect. We all fall short of the glory of God. This woman realized her debt, which was large. But Simon, he either didn't realize that he was in debt at all, or that his debt was so minimal compared to hers that he didn't even respond with the common courtesies. The woman had an encounter with Jesus. We talked about that last week. Richie brought a word that we need to exchange our expectations for an encounter with Jesus. This woman clearly had an encounter with him. Maybe she was one of the crowds that heard him speak, heard him teach. Maybe there was an unrecorded moment where he addressed her and talked to her and, and spoke life into her that she responded to this debt being forgiven with overwhelming response of worship at his feet. Simon was right there in front of Jesus. Simon was someone who studied the scripture, who spent time worshiping God in the temple all the time. And Jesus was right before him and he missed him. Simon made a quick judgment in his heart and his mind. That's, not how my God would act in this situation. That's not what my God would say. That's not what my God would do. He made a quick decision because he was entrenched in his camp that he couldn't see God sitting right in front of him in his home. He missed this encounter with Jesus and he's not experiencing the grace that God brings. He was looking through it from his own perspective instead of being open to the kingdom of God, being different than what he thinks or knows. For us, real life, we need to understand a couple of things if we're gonna be grounded in the grace of God. The first is grace is a gift. Grace is a gift from God. We didn't earn this gift. We didn't earn this grace. This woman, clearly, she was labeled as a sinner. She had not cleaned up her life She had not done anything to earn God's gift of grace in that moment. I think of what Paul says in Ephesians 2. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace, you have been saved. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Are you grounded in the grace of God? Realizing it's a gift, you can't earn it, you don't deserve it. If you're working really hard or waiting, going, Man, I hear that God loves me. I hear that, but my life is so messed up. God would never, He couldn't. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to learn the Bible more. I'm going to do more good things in my community. Then maybe, then maybe I'll be okay. Look at this woman in this story. Her life is not better or cleaned up, or fixed, or whatever you want to do to your life before you can come to God to receive the gift of grace. It's a gift. Paul says you were dead in your trespasses. You were dead in your sin. There was no hope, but God loved you so much. He did this work for you. He has poured out his grace on you. It's like a gift. I think of of birthdays. I think gifts on your birthday are weird. They should go to your mom. Like, I don't know why you get them, but you receive them, right? You receive that gift and you enjoy it, but you can also reject a gift. I've been stubborn in my life and rejected gifts because I don't know. I thought I was better than that gift or I deserved more than that gift. Man, we were dead. Apart from God, we're lost. We're, there's no hope. And so we have to realize to be grounded in, in the grace of God, We have to realize it's a gift. Receive that gift, experience the grace of God. And we also have to understand we never graduate from grace. We're called to to grow towards maturity. When we put our faith in Jesus, he meets us where we're at. And then he calls us to more. Take your next step of faith. Follow me, grow with me. Even in Luke chapter six, he says, you're to grow towards maturity so that someday you will look like and be like your teacher. We're called to grow in this faith. But if we look at grace as just a a moment, a transactionary moment in our life and not something that we're to be grounded in, we can walk away from it and become callous to the point of not needing grace anymore. I remember in my life, God rescued me when I was a young boy in the middle of a broken household with, with yelling and screaming. God saw me in my despair. He reached down and he poured his grace on me, his love on me. I received that and I was overwhelmed. God, that you would see me, that you would know me, that you would love me. I haven't done anything for you. I, I'm not good enough. And he goes, I see you, son. I love you. Receive this gift. I responded with overwhelming worship. I couldn't understand it, explain it, but I, I was worshiping God. And then at some point in my life, I got this idea in my head that, needing grace equated to weakness. And so I worked really, really hard to not need God's grace in my life. I worked really hard to set up rules and all of these boundaries that I wouldn't cross, not because of my love for God, but because I didn't wanna have to be in that place again as a broken, hurting boy. I got disconnected from from, from the grace. I graduated from it, so to speak, in an effort to be mature. All that did was man, set me up for for failure in my life. Instead of being gracious towards people and wanting others to encounter the grace that I had, I started putting rules and boundaries on them that God never placed on them. God never placed on me. I started judging people based on my personal beliefs and, and laws and rules. I became a Pharisee. I didn't start out that way. I didn't want to. I was so overwhelmed by God's grace but then in an effort to mature, I saw grace as a weak, weak point in my life. So I worked really hard not to sin outwardly. All of those things so that I didn't need to be crying at Jesus' feet anymore because I was good. Man, we never graduated. Our, our growth in our faith and our maturity in our faith should lead us to more dependence on Jesus to more dependence on his grace in an ever-increasing way. Day by day, we should realize, God, your grace is so overwhelming. Thank you. I don't deserve this. Every breath that I breathe in and out is a grace of God in my life. It's a gift from God. Have you graduated from grace? Have you insulated yourself with rules and, and knowledge and truth to the point where you don't need God's grace in your life? Man, for me, that was a, a scary place to be. And it's a lonely place to be. You don't have very good relationships in that place. You're that person that judges everybody. That's, people go, oh, you're, you're that guy that's better than everyone else. You're Simon that isn't excited to see someone come to the faith So we never graduate from grace. It's a gift. So how do we stay grounded in this grace of God? It's gratitude. Gratitude grounds us in grace. Gratitude is is the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for and to return the kindness that's been given to us. And the grace of God is this free, unmerited, undeserved favor of God, the gift of salvation that he would make a way for us to be restored to right relationship with God the Father. We need to remember who God is and what he's done in our lives. If we forget or if we graduate from this, we'll be, become disconnected from God. The grace of God will be disconnected and discouraged. Are you lacking gratitude in your life right now? I would say, look for the grace in your life. Go back to that moment when you were encountered Jesus for the first time and you heard the truth and were overwhelmed by the grace that he sees you. He knows you. He loves you. You haven't done anything for him and he still knows you and loves you. Go back to that moment. Find the gratitude that he would would do that for you then. Are you lacking grace in your life? Look to Jesus. I think for me, the the biggest wake-up call was I was on an island by myself, holier than thou, thinking I was doing God's work. Really, I was alone, isolated, scared, I needed to look to Jesus because there was no grace in my life. I wasn't receiving it. I wasn't extending it. I looked to Jesus and he changed everything. Let's be a people who are grounded in the grace of God. Jesus calls us to this place of grace and our response to this grace is gratitude. It leads us to action. I think of this woman. She had an encounter with Jesus and her response was to worship him, to wash his feet with her tears and hair, to kiss him, to anoint him, To bless him. Our response needs to lead us to to worship the same. Have you experienced the grace of God? If not, today is your day that you can receive the grace of God. God doesn't ask for you to be cleaned up or have your life in order While, while we were still enemies, while we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, broken, lost, hurting, discouraged. God loved us and gave us this gift of salvation. This extends us, this gift of grace. Would you receive it today? Would you put your faith in God today? Would you turn your life to him and say, God, I'm broken. And if that grace is extended to me, I receive it. I put my faith in you. And we wanna help you respond. If that's where you're at today, you can text the number on the screen and we have people who wanna walk with you, help you take those next steps so that you can have this moment of grace and grow as as Jesus is leading you in your faith journey. We wanna help you grow and take your next steps of maturity, grounded firmly in the grace of God so that you can extend this grace to those people around you. Maybe you have experienced the grace of God. You've received salvation. And then you started growing in maturity. And maybe like I did, you've you've lost your way. You've disconnected yourself from your past because you're you're ashamed of the past. You're ashamed that you needed grace in that moment. Well, I wanna encourage you. Look to Jesus, ground yourself in the grace of God. In, 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 In that moment of being grounded in the grace of God, your life happens. Your life unfolds. Relationships are now being built as you receive grace and you're extending grace to those people in your life. Relationships are being built instead of being torn down. We started off, I started off worshiping Jesus at his feet, thanking him for the forgiveness. And then I got upset that there were messy people in my church messing up my encounter with Jesus. God, forgive us. God, change our hearts. Help us to be grounded in your grace. Return us back to you. Help us to experience your grace even right now. There's no shame. Turn to Jesus. Receive the grace that he has for you right now today. I think of this world, the social injustice, the black life matters, all life matters, the COVID-19, the masks or the not masks. We need God's grace so much in those conversations. God is for unity. He's not to create division. He wants to create unity and we need more grace. We need to be grounded in the grace of God. Are you lacking gratitude in your life? Look at the grace that you've received. Are you lacking grace in your life? Look to Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. A life that is grounded in the grace of God is a life that's full of worship in response to who God is and what he's done. A life that is grounded in the grace of God helps us navigate the concerns of today. It helps us to build relationships instead of tearing them down. I wanna invite you, experience God's grace today. Experience it. I wanna pray and we're gonna respond. We're gonna respond with worship. Why? Because gratitude grows the grace in our lives. It helps us to remember who God is and what he's done. I wanna encourage you, wherever you're at, God is speaking to you. He's either calling you to receive this grace for the first time, put your faith in Jesus, do it, do it, and then tell somebody. If you're at one of the real life at home gatherings, tell somebody. If you're online watching, message us in the text or, or text us on the number on the screen. And if God is calling you, hey, son, daughter, you've graduated from grace, come back, come back, turn to Him. There's no shame. We love you. He loves you. We're so excited to be on mission with you. And if we want us to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time, gosh, we need grace. So let's worship him in this moment. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your grace that you've freely given to us. I thank you that you lavish your love on us, that you would call us your sons and daughters. Help us to never graduate from that moment of grace or graduate from that place of being your son or daughter, but help us to cling to it, to be grounded in the grace of of you, God, maybe we'd be so overwhelmed and saturated with it that it overflows into the relationships that we have so that people would see what you have done and who you are and that they would turn to you as well. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for for not just the words, but the the real life examples of you being gracious to people like me, sinners who are far from you. God, we love you. We thank you. Jesus' name. Amen. Real life, I want to invite you to worship in response to the grace of God in your life. Wherever you're at, create space, lean in, worship him wholeheartedly for he is good. We are so glad you're with us today in this digital space. Wherever you're at, our team is praying for you. We love you and we can't wait to hear from you. We're ready to walk with you and help you navigate whatever might be going on in your life. For more info, please visit the description on how to get in touch with us. We love you.